0: Caregiver Sati brings to you Conversations with Gentle Warriors A series of our live Facebook sessions where caregivers share their caregiving journeys now in a podcast format To catch them live, follow our YouTube and Facebook pages Caregiver Sati Today, we bring to you another story of a caregiver. From the, from the little time that I've known this person, he seems to be a very joyous person and spreads a lot of happiness around him. He cares for his society and those around him quite a lot. With uh, no further ado, I'd like to introduce Oman Sheth. Hi Umang, how are you today?
1: Hi. Thank you. Thank you, Sudisha, for helping having me over here.
0: So tell us, Umang, can you tell us something about yourself?
1: So, yeah. so basically, I am 47 years old. I run an advertising agency. I run a NGO called the Hugging Club of India. It's an initiative to remove stigma around mental illness. The way we openly talk about depression, uh, we talk openly about diabetes and blood pressure, we don't talk about depression and bipolar. In fact, uh, if you have a problem with our physical illness, like fracture and all, we rush to a doctor. But when it comes to anxiety and bipolar, we hide. We are ashamed of it, you know. So brain is also an organ and it can fall sick. So we started this, the Hugging Club of India, to remove the stigma around mental illness. Because I come from a dysfunctional family, you know, my mom was schizophrenic and my dad is bipolar. So I was very ashamed of my parents. Somebody told me very profound, Sudesha, that your mom did not choose schizophrenia. Schizophrenia chose your mom. And that was a turning point where I started the Hugging Club of India. And we meet uh, twice a week on Zoom for the last four years in four cities. And besides that, uh, in 1998, I started an initiative called Gay Bombay. I am gay. So I grew up very, very effeminate and people calling me Baila and Chakka, you know. I remember in school, uh, when I was filling my SSC form, somebody told me, the principal asked, there is a boys column and females column. Does anybody need a third column? And somebody said, Umang. And I was so ashamed. I just wanted to bang my head against the wall and I hope I would just disappear, you know. I got <coughs> sorry. I got a fishpond that when your mom was expecting, uh, your dad wanted a girl, your mom wanted a boy and when you were born, they both were happy, you know. So uh, I grew up in this environment of being very ashamed and embarrassed and I tried to find people like me. But when I was 16 years old, I called up De you know, who used to write column for midday. And that time she and Ashok Rao Kavi were writing a book. And I asked, and I I told her that I want the number of Ashok Rao Kavi because I want to meet people like me, you know. And that's how I went to a place called uh, Behind Taj. Uh, uh, There was a restaurant opposite Bade Mia. And that's how I met other people. And then I started Gay Bombay. And in the last... 15 years, I helped a lot of people to come out, organize a lot of events, including parents, me, taking them to psychiatrists, helping them comfortable with their sexuality. And lastly, I've just started a gay matchmaking initiative like uh, Shadi.com and Bharat Matrimony called Mr. and Mr. Because unlike straight people, you know, you have a structure. You have kids and you have their kids. Here, there is no structure, you know. So that's how I started.
0: It's wonderful to hear about your background Omang and given some of the challenges you might have faced as a person, as an individual. There seems to be no dearth of compassion or love around you and that is an amazing thing to see. Very, very few people can come out of it with so much, uh, uh, with the attitude of wanting to spread that love and happiness. So thank you for being so caring for all of us in the society, for everyone here and uh, especially for your uh, uh, for those around you Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, uh, role as a caregiver how you were introduced to the role of a caregiver and uh, what were how how you came about becoming a caregiver
1: first of all thank you for the wonderful word you know caregiver when i was taking care of my mom and dad my mom is was schizophrenic and my dad is bipolar. <clears throat> when I was taking care, I never knew that I was a caregiver. It ha- I didn't even know the term caregiver. And later on, when I was working with an ad agency, and I shared that my mom is schizophrenic and my dad is bipolar. Oh, so you are a caregiver. And that's how it dawned upon me that I am a caregiver. You know. So I I, I grew up. You know, when I, I when I came into my senses, you know, I realized that. There is something wrong with my mom, you know. She's not like every other mom, you know. And it was so weird. She would she would not recognize people at times. Uh, she had a problem called glaucoma, which over a period of time she could only see from one eye and only fifteen percent, you know. So it was very bad. And uh, she would uh, call up uh, relatives and talk crap you know and uh, so uh, it just came very naturally and organically for me to take care of her because I am a very emotional person so I became a I became a parent to my parents you know at a very early age and it just came very naturally because there was nobody at home you know it was just me so you know I started doing a lot of things you know with my mom you know I would I would uh, open the cupboard and say, "Which sari you want to wear?" You know, and I would pick up the sari, and I would get very frustrated when her, when a pallu and all were not fine. So I would make the pleats, make her wear the pallu, make the chutti pull the sari that the petticoat is covered. You know, so all these things I did for her. I, I it, it dawned upon me because when my mom had to go out, there was nobody there. Only I was there because she wouldn't recognize things, she wouldn't be able to see properly. So I took her everywhere, you know, to doctors, to, for various tests, you know. So it it just it, it started coming to me, you know, kind of a thing. It was very, very natural to hold her hand and take her to various doctors, you know. Uh, because uh, she could not see properly, she would mistake people, she would be an embarrassment, you know. Uh, With my dad being a bipolar, uh, whenever he would get his salary, he would go to a club and gamble. He would not come home for 5 days, 10 days, you know. And it would be just me and my mom home. And my mom would be crying and my dad would not be at home, you know. He would be on a high, on a mania face, gambling, uh, you know, never having a steady job. And my mom would be sitting at home and crying and waiting for my dad to come home. I would take my mom to the casinos, drag my dad at home and they would be fighting and all that. So it was very embarrassing. My dad would sometimes come home in the middle of the night and my mom would not open the door. And he would bang the door and the neighbors would come up. It was very embarrassing, you know, very heartbreaking. I was so ashamed of my parents because everybody's dad came at home. My dad did not come home at night. Most of the night, he would be in the club gambling. You know, so it it I, I it, it was never there. A functional family was never there. You know, my my uh, my mom my mom would uh, you know uh, not make good food. You know, she her food would be not good. She would talk very gibberish. You know, uh, she would uh, she would say that I'm seeing ghosts. Uh, I'm talking to this ghost, you know. Uh, so I had to protect her because people would laugh. Her name is Re- her name was Renuka. People used to call her Nukka. So I had to protect her because she would take goof ups, do things, you know. But one thing I made sure that I never isolated her. I never kept her at one room and locked her. I made her sure that we socialized. I got her in front of family, friends, social gatherings, it was very odd. It was very weird. It was, at one look at her and you would say, uh, in, a, in a regular parlance, you are crazy, right, you know? But I made sure because it was never inculcated in my head. I think it very it very naturally that I need to be, uh, to hide her, I need to lock her. It never came to my mind, you know, of that sort. So that's how it, it all came on my head to take care of my mom. My dad, I remember, uh, because he was bipolar, he would go to kids' fancy dress competition and take part in the fancy dress competition of buildings and win a second prize and dance on the stage and come home. It was so embarrassing. My father being a 50-year-old guy, the dancing with a 5-year-old, uh, 6-year-old kids and winning a fancy dress competition, because he was mania. He was in a very mania phase, you know. He didn't know how to behave. So that was it is, you know, with my dad uh, having this mania phase. Every morning, every morning my dad would enter in the kitchen and nag. It went on. I didn't understand what was happening, but he would keep nagging, nagging, nagging. I had to go to the kitchen, separate them. And bring again. He would go. They would bang, and they would. There were fights. There were violence. You know, and I had to come in the picture. So that's how I became very natural for me. You know, to become a caregiver. Like this Sochcast. Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store.
0: Well, clearly you went through a lot of hardship in your childhood and. Uh, what you had as an upbringing is certainly not normal compared to many, uh, many around you. So, what were some of the challenges, I mean, you, you were very clear about what are, what were some of the challenges you faced uh, within the society given how different your parents were from the rest of them. What were some of the challenges you fe- uh, felt were... Uh, you felt with the medical fraternity with the medical part of your caregiving uh, role uh, especially in the case of your mother or in the case of your father where both of them came with mental health issues and uh, clearly the society did not have much awareness of it did you face i mean what kind of challenges did you face when trying to deal with these uh, issues in the medical fraternity uh the
1: medical fraternity my mom, I remember when I was um, for me it was a big shocker I remember in uh, 10, I think 9th standard uh, my mom used to take these medicines for schizophrenia and she was very fine and then we realized that it is not required so one day in the middle of the night she got an attack and she started cooking food and talking nonsense and howling and shouting, I was very scared so I called up my uncle, and we took her overnight to the psychiatrist, and then admitted her to a clinic and gave her a mental shock to calm her down. In the medical fraternity, <clears throat> earlier days, there they, there were a lot of sleeping pills. You know, she used to sleep a lot. You know, uh, today the medicines have evolved, but over the period of time it has evolved. But earlier, it was not very good. You know, my mom used to sleep, and I had a tough time because. Uh, take my, my mom's uh, psychiatrist was in opera house and I stay in Vilip. I stay in uh, I used to stay in Willipali earlier and then Borivali. so taking my mom to a psychiatrist which she not able to see properly hear properly sitting in the waiting room behaving weird it was very challenging you know and a lot of side effects about the medicine you know I used to call up my and tell okay, my mom hasn't slept well what should I do doctor should I change the medicine And they would say, no, come here. So it's just been three days and I have to rush out again, you know, to a psychiatrist. And it was very tough. Very tough taking her to, uh, you know, a psychiatrist. Uh, My mom would talk to spirits, you know, booth. And I would have to call up my psychiatrist and say, should I change this medicine? that?" Sometimes you would change on the phone. Sometimes I would go, I would, uh, you know, uh, what do you say? I would have to rush there. Then because she was taking all these medicines, there were side effects. So there are certain tests I need to do, you know. And these are urine tests. I remember clearly that my mom being glaucoma, couldn't even take her own urine in a cubicle. I had to take her urine in a cubicle from her vagina, which was so painful, you know. It was so exhausting and it was so embarrassing and it was very breaking, you know. So I did all that, you know. but one wonderful thing happened over a period of time. The medicines evolved. You know, I remember there are some very good psychiatrists. So I remember I used to go to a, a psychiatrist called Dr. Vasan Mundra for my dad. He's bipolar. So I went and he would tell me if, there, if your dad is in a mania phase. So mania phase is my dad would spend a lot of money, go to my cousin's house, take his clothes and bring it and wear his clothes, you know. Mania means no inhibition. Going to the local, uh, uh, what do you say, uh, food joint uh, ven- uh, vendor and eating Bani uh, Puri, Bhel Puri, a lot of Bani Puri, Bhel Puri. Uh, to- talking. I remember my father used to uh, take a bus and go to my uncle's house and sleep over there. And they would call me, what is wrong with your dad? Why is he come to my house, you know? So I had this issues, and I would talk to the Dr. Vasan Mundra of Hinduja Hospital. He told me very clearly, Umang, when he's in a mania phase, you increase his medicine. And when he's in a, a depressive phase, you decrease the medicine. So, and he would tell me, there are such good doctors and he would tell me, Umang, why are you coming to me? Just follow this. Don't come all the way from Borivali to Matunga or go to your local psychiatrist. Uh, do this. So for my dad, being a bipolar, there are two medicines which have done wonders. I just need to keep tweaking, increasing and decreasing uh, because of the mood. But he had to do a viscosity test, you know, which has to be done uh, uh, every uh, once a year, which I do. In, initially, when I used to take him to psychiatrist as a medical, he would fight with the receptionist, with the other people. So this was all very challenging for me, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, clearly you had your hands full, and you were having to be a parent to your a parent to your own parents, which definitely did not come by easy. Um. So, how is your father doing now? And what are the caregiving steps you take for him at home?
1: So my father is uh, very fine right now. So. See, uh, over a period of time, I realized that it is me. See, the, and, uh, and this is my opinion, Sudesha, that the Bollywood puts this in your head, that you are the father God and you are Shravan Kumar. Banna hai, you know? And I, I did that. You know, I took my dad and mom with a lot of their challenges. I took them to a lot of pilgrimages. I took them to hill station by flight, by train, bus. I took them to a lot of tours, you know. But over a period of time, I realized that I can't burn myself, you know. Like a helicopter, sorry, like an airplane mask, oxygen mask. I need to take care of myself. So with my dad, I have now come to a point where I say, okay, he's not well. And these are the things I need to do. I don't need to get sucked into it. That kind of clarity is there, which I did not have with my mom. Maybe because I love my mom a lot and there was no boundary. Uh, but with my dad, now there is a clear boundary. I have a help at home. But as I said earlier, there are those two medicines which I increase and I decrease them depending on the mood. Plus, there is a box of 30 days medicine. There is a medicine pill, pill, pill box of 30 days which I put for 30 days and I tell him to take. But for example, with my dad, if I is in the mania phase, you would say, Oh, you are not taking care of my myself very well. I will go to Canada. You are not giving me money. Uh, you are useless. I realized that it is not him. It is his illness talking. I have to fight with the illness, not with him. Earlier, I used to get very emotional. Are, itna, iska, itna hon, itna and how is he behaving? But now there is a differentiator. I know that I have to fight with the illness, not with him. So that's how I'm taking care of my dad. But the biggest breakthrough is that not get stuck into it. To have a distance, to take care of it and not feel responsible. Throughout my life, for 25 years, I felt very ashamed and embarrassed of my dad and mom, the way they behaved in public. Uh, They would behave... In a very weird way, they would drop something, say something, and I would go somewhere and hide, and just peep out. You know, oh my God, my dad and mom are such a big embarrassment. And I used to hide behind the curtain, behind the wall, and they will behave very weird, weirdly in front of hundred people. And other people will come and rush and pour oh, sympathy and vichari vichara. And I would, I would, from inside, I would be, you know, eating myself. I'll be killing myself, you know, I'll be breaking inside, very ashamed. But now, today, if my father behaves in a very weird way, if he shouts and yells, then I said, it is him. I am not responsible.
0: When and how did you come or come to the realization? I, I guess it had you, re- required you also to grow up and for you to be, develop a better understanding of your father and your mother's uh, mental health issues. but. How did you come and when did you come to the realization that you know this is not them as individuals, but this is the disease. And what what changed after that? I mean, how did you go about making that change?
1: So I, I I I was in a very worst stage of my life when my mom used to, you know, shout in the middle of the night. She would be sleeping and say, Hey boot, 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 met a tanid, boot chala ja my dad would shout and yell and uh, fight and all that and i would i told my friend once "See, i am really in a horrible stage you know my, you please come to my house and he came to my house and he told me very clearly that your mom did not choose schizophrenia schizophrenia chose your mom he, he had she had no role in fact she herself is a victim so you need to sympathize with my dad being a bipolar it is a mental illness, not a character flaw. I realized all this because I met a lot of psychiatrists. For last 25 years, I kept on meeting psychiatrists, 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 so many psychiatrists. And then I realized that it, it is like, uh, just like your body can fall ill, so can your mind, you know. So, for example, uh, I will say that uh, I have... Uh, a fracture in my leg. I will not say I have a fracture. Same way, my brain has depression. I don't have depression. My brain is an organ, just like any organ. And my brain has depression. I don't have depression. That clarity is very important. So there is no stigma attached. Because then you feel weak. You feel uh, not man enough that you can't control your thoughts. You will never say, I am I can't control my tumour, my cancer cells, I am weak. No, it is something to do with my intestine, my lungs. And my lung is not well, not me. So that clarity came out, the brain is an organ. Like any part of the body, it can fall
0: ill. Wow, you've been through so much and you've grown so much as a human being through your experiences and what comes through or what shines through in this conversation is the amount of compassion you have developed for everyone around you and especially for your parents. Can you um, suggest any um, uh, any uh, word of uh, advice for those who are uh, being caregivers to those with uh, mental health issues? What, what would you tell them? What would your uh, word of advice be? Yeah. First of all, uh... It is very
1: tough, it is very embarrassing, it is very exhaustive, it is very shameful and it is very natural to compare with the society that why my father like this, my father's father is so smart, he is making good food, he is making good food, is good and my not even my doesn't come home at night, he goes to the club, so it is very natural but it's very important to say that we don't we stop comparing ourselves. You know, comparison is killing of joy. We don't know what is their story, what are they struggling. So as a caregiver, first of all, stop comparing yourself. Secondly, join a support group. I remember with my for my mom, I did something unique. Doctor Hari Shetty has started. I think the name was Sarsi also in Andheri for people with schizophrenia and their family. So what I did is, I took my mom there, I warmed up, I met a couple of people. So there was this lady whose son was schizophrenic and I did a barter. She was in my very vicinity. So I, I made a deal with my uh, that lady kay you give company to my mom because you are well with schizophrenia, same age group, your son has schizophrenia. And I will give company to your son. So we both will get a break. And it's something new, which we can help each other. So this is what I did. I did it for two years, you know. So this is one thing you can do. Secondly, talk about mental illness. Because there are so many people, when they listen to you, they will tell their story. They will stop bringing out the people they have locked in their room. Their relationship uh, will improve. They will start taking medicine. They will stop suffering, you know. And and one thing is very very important is take a break, ask for help. You know, I I I never used to do that, but then I realized it's very very important to take maybe three days a week, maybe one month. But taking a break is very 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 important.
0: What kind of breaks? And uh, what do you do during those breaks as a caregiver? Well, uh, I like to
1: travel, so I like to, uh, I go to northeast, you know, uh, I can go to close by, Lonavla, uh, Mathiran, and just sit and introspect, you know, just, just fill my stuff, fill my energy, my sanity, because at home it is so draining. It is very draining because you are, I realized with my mom, over a period of time from schizophrenia, she started, she got Alzheimer's and it was very horrible. I remember uh, I would be sleeping in my bedroom and she would, in her bedroom, she would, oh, and she would start abusing, it was shocking in the middle of the night, you know, to talk to her. My dad would start abusing, be violent, you know. Uh, call up relatives. Uh, I remember my neighbor uh, had a a tuition and there were uh, shoes, you know. So my father would get very angry and take his shoes and throw away, you know. And that woman is saying, what is he doing, you know. My dad, my mom used to not open the door because he was gambling. He would go to the uh, terrace and pee over there, you know. So it was very embarrassing, you know. Uh, So I needed the break. And to understand that uh, I am not responsible for my parents' behavior. And I, re- I realized that because my pa- I became a parent, I became an unwed uh, father to two kids, you know. And uh, because of that, I got something which is called codependency. It's a mental illness which I have, which is called codependency because I became a parent. So there were no boundaries. There was nobody to tell me what to do you know
0: yeah it is a very difficult uh role to be uh, that of a parent when you are yourself trying to grow up from a child to becoming an adult and having to be a parent to both uh to two adults with uh healthy uh sorry mental health issues was definitely challenging and um, time and again you know what comes through is your willingness to constantly keep trying to keep finding solutions for the situations you were in and that's what you know uh, t- that's what it takes you are being a warrior through your in your caregiving journey trying to find solutions trying to find uh, comfort and dignity for your parents
1: like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store
0: uh, a short while ago, you uh, mentioned about uh, the importance of support groups, especially for those with uh, mental health issues. And you yourself are a founder of uh, The Hugging Club. Could you uh, tell us a little bit uh, about that before we end off?
1: Sorry, a little bit about?
0: The Hugging Club. Like, um,
1: Hugging Club of India uh, is a place where we don't judge people. It's a place where we started... Uh, I started telling about my mom, my dad on online on Facebook uh, and social media and people started opening up. So the idea is that people t- started talking, saying that I have a drug addiction, I have sex addiction, I am into chem sex, uh, I am uh, HIV positive. So all these people started coming here and opening up. And we did not judge them, we helped them. There are people, because of the mental illness, they have gone to Athar Road Jail and have come back, you know. Because of the mental illness, they have uh, stolen things, made some mistakes, have been in road rage or violence. So this is a place, the Hugging Club of India, where we welcome everybody, whether you are gay, straight, uh, transgender, whether you have any kind of mental illness, you are HIV positive, you are trying to leave drugs, you are gay and you are married and going through a divorce, uh, whatever you are going through, we we is a support group. So if somebody tells that I am going to a psychiatrist and the person is of a very good background, from a very good uh, corporate world, the other person is inspired. Hey, if this person has a mental illness and is taking help, then why can't I take help, you know? So it's a support group to help people to talk openly and take help and discuss ke, yeah I am, I am also taking medicine. Lot of, there is a lot of reluctance to take, uh, take medicine when it comes to mental illness, you know. There is a fear of addiction, that I am But when you see other people talking openly, taking medicine for the last 20 years and they are functioning very well and are very successful, other people are inspired that why should I suffer? You know, why should not I take uh, medicine and go back, you know? And so what we do is, uh, we have a group of psychiatrists and counsellors with us. So we connect you to the psychiatrists and counsellors. You can go. We call them twice a week on Zoom. So you can talk to them. And once you break the ice, you can go and meet them privately. We also sponsor treatment and medicine also for people who can't afford
0: it's great to know that you are there are support groups for all uh, for people with uh, who are uh, being challenged with mental health issues because sometimes that is what ends up making or breaking their life or the path that their life takes caregiver sati is again a support group for all those who play the role of a caregiver especially the silent caregivers who are like you have uh, worked day in and day out trying to support their parents through either their mental health issues or their physical health issues and uh, unfortunately the role of a caregiver goes very it is pretty much behind the scenes it's pretty much uh, not seen or not uh, uh, heard of and so caregiver Sati is uh, trying to bring about the awareness of uh, the role that a caregiver plays and the support that a caregiver needs to not only support their loved ones, but also to you know, help give them a part of their life and not have to, uh, like you say, uh, get consumed by the role of a caregiver, help bring the boundary there to you know, differentiate between that of a caregiver and that of uh, a patient. Umang, it's been a wonderful uh, conversation with you. I totally admire and I'm amazed by all that you've been through and how much you have grown and learned and also contributed to the society from your experiences. Thank you. Thank you. And it's
1: a wonderful initiative you have. In fact, Gayatri suggested me about this group and I'm I'm so glad, you know, that something like that is there because generally people with mental illness, you have a lot of compassion. But as you rightly said, caregivers just don't go noticed, you know. They also need help and support. So, it's a wonderful initiative. And if you need any help anytime, let me know.
0: Definitely, we look forward to, you know, uh, working with you together. And I sincerely yeah. thank you for your contribution to uh, uh, to all those around you. And, uh, you know, keep going. Keep uh, keep spreading thank the you. joy and the happiness. Thank you so thank much. You. It's a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thanks for having me here. Had a good time. Thank you.
0: If you can identify with this story, please share it with others who care for someone and help them share too. The feeling of being understood, not being alone, and access to support is what keeps caregivers going. What part of this story connected with you? Do you have a story to share? Do let us know.